Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kirtenbach. Today is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Our Gospel reading comes from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Our sermon was recorded previously at our divine service. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are a number of times when the Lord God gives a name or changes a name in order to teach his people. For example, the Lord changed Jacob's name, which means he follows or he supplants, to Israel, which means he wrestles with God. Other times, names are given to prophets by which they are to name their children such as Isaiah prophesying of a time when after the people of Israel went into exile, they would return, being told to name his son Shear Jashub, which means a remnant will return. Or Hosea, whose marriage to the prostitute Gomer was to be an allegory of Israel's relationship with the Lord God, and he was to name his two children Lo-Ruamah and Lo-Ami, which means not pitied and not my people. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Saint Zechariah as he was offering the daily incense at the temple service, he told him that he and his wife would be given a child, and they were to name him John, even though no one in the family had ever been given that name. Similarly to other names given by God, St. John's name is prophetic, for it means the Lord is gracious, or the Lord's grace. And so, our gospel reading this morning might be said to begin like this. This is the testimony of the Lord's grace. And it's certainly true, for even as St. John the Baptist proclaimed the law harshly, he did so to call people to repentance, that they might be saved from the wrath to be revealed, as they put their faith into the one whose way he was preparing, Jesus, the Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our Gospel begins, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. The Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were curious about John. 
He was baptizing at the edge of the wilderness at the Jordan River and dressed in a manner similar to the prophet Elijah, wearing a coat of camel's hair and a leather belt. Moreover, he himself was descended from a priest and a priestly family, and so the leaders who were priests had a vested interest to see what was going on with John. It would have been very easy for John to deny and say, I am the Christ. He had a very strong following. There were many who were coming to him from all walks of life, and he had many disciples who followed him to learn from him, including Andrew. And in fact, there is a group of Gnostic heretics today that claim to, that John the Baptist was the Messiah, and they claim to follow him in what he really taught. But instead, the forerunner stayed true to his calling by God and to his vocation. And when he was asked, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. He was careful in his speech to confess who he was and who he was not. He was careful to answer in such a way that he was teaching those who came to him with care and concern. This is especially prominent as we continue. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. This may cause us to be a little confused. After all, didn't our Lord and Savior himself say of John, if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come? This comes down to John being careful, being pastoral in his teaching, concerned with teaching the truth in a way that is not confusing to his hearers. For many of the Jews in that day misunderstood the prophecy of Malachi. For the Lord said through Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Because Elijah did not actually die, but was taken up alive into heaven in his body, many thought that this meant that Elijah himself would someday return. John did not want them to think that he was literally Elijah, and so he answered, No, I am not. Yes, he was the fulfillment of this prophecy because he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah as the angel Gabriel told his father. But John wanted to teach them clearly and to keep them from confusion. And so then they asked him, Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. This again is a misunderstanding on the questioner's part. Because St. John had already answered this question when he said that he was not the Christ. The prophet that they are talking about is the one from our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy, where the Lord says that he will send a prophet like Moses to whom they shall listen. Many thought that this would be a separate figure, but in reality it was the same person as the Messiah, the Christ. As we see in the Transfiguration, where the Father confirms that Jesus is his Son, the Christ, and the prophet, like Moses, to whom the people shall listen. Because the Father says from the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
And so, having said all that he is not, John says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He says to the priests and Levites who came to him, make straight the way of the Lord, prepare his way, comfort God's people, as it says in the same passage. They are to be working alongside of John in their own priestly vocations, preparing the way for Christ, making straight his way by proclaiming to the people of God that her iniquities are pardoned and her sins forgiven because of the coming Messiah. However, the priests and Levites were derelict in their duties. They may have been performing the daily sacrifices and doing all of the correct outward motions in the right way, but they didn't do them in the way they were supposed to inwardly, because they didn't understand the scriptures in the way that they should. They were not preparing the people for the Messiah, for the one who was to come, who would be the true sacrifice for sins. And so John, as the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, cried out to them, Make straight the way of the Lord. And in his role as one preparing the way himself, he tells them, Among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the Christ. The prophet, like Moses, was already present, but he was unknown. He was already there, but he was hidden from them. It's as if St. John the Baptist were saying, The Christ is here. The one who is the Lamb of God, he is here. He is among you, but you don't know it. Prepare his way by repentance for the forgiveness of your sins, for he comes to atone for the sins of the world. Prepare for his revealing, for when he is revealed, you must listen to him. And whoever does not listen to the words that he shall speak in God's name, God himself will require it of him. And we, brothers and sisters, live in a similar way to St. John the Baptist in this regard, for we are to be prepared for the Lord's coming. Or maybe a better way to say it is that we are to be prepared for his reappearing. For although he ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he has not left us. And he said, as he said to his disciples before he ascended, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The world does not recognize that the Messiah... Jesus is still present and here, that he is among them, but they do not know it. They act as if he is simply dead and buried. Even as the world prepares to celebrate the feast of his nativity, the world doesn't recognize that Christ is present. They may sing the songs, celebrate the day, but they do not recognize that Christ is present. Rather, they see him as long gone, someone far away in history, divorced from the present. Yet, he is here, even now. And since we live in this culture that doesn't recognize it, it's easy for us also to get swept up in the secular observances of Christmas, in the family gatherings, the meals, the time together, the trees, the gifts, the songs, etc. It's not that these are bad, 
But if we make them the most important thing and the central part of our celebration, we may be missing the point. It's easy to get swept up in these things and to forget the presence of Christ who is here, hidden within his church. For he is here, here in his church. When he said, I am with you always, he meant it. And he's not present with us only in our remembrance, in the way that we might say that a loved one who has passed on or a friend who is far away is with us here. But he is actually here in a very real way. He is present within believers. St. Peter wrote in the first chapter of his first epistle, His divine power was granted to us all things that pertain to this life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very real promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of this world because of sinful desire. Through the promises, that is, through faith in the promises of Christ, we are made partakers of the divine nature, because God himself dwells in those who have faith and are thus forgiven. As our Lord says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Thus, Christ is present in our fellow Christians, in our fellow brothers and sisters. And as we love and serve them through our vocations and in their time of need, we thus love and serve Christ himself. For he has said, as you have done to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. But he's not only present in this way. He is present for you in his word. As the scripture is read and taught and heard in our midst, as the Holy Spirit presents the promises of Christ to which we cling by faith. As St. Paul wrote, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And as the gospel is the power of God to salvation for all who believe, we believe and know and trust that God is working through the word of the gospel to create and sustain faith in the promises contained therein. And as we gather to hear God's word as he has called us to do, Christ says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Likewise, he is present in his holy supper, which he has given to us as a memorial of his death, the meal of the new covenant in his blood, and a sign and testimony of God's will towards us. In that holy meal, Christ makes himself present in the bread and the wine, so that our humble altar becomes like the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant, the footstool of God, where God promised to be in grace for his people. For Christ promises to be in his supper with his body and his blood when he said, Take, eat, this is my body. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. And since he has promised to be there, he is present there for all who eat. However, only for those who eat and drink with faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and believe that Christ is present with his body and blood, is he present with grace and mercy, forgiving sins, granting life and salvation.
And it is a good and great and gracious thing that our Lord and Savior is still with us here. For the world that we live in is full of sin. We, too, have our sinful flesh which fights against the new nature which we now have as Christians who have been regenerated, that is born again by the Holy Spirit. The world, our flesh, and the devil still tempt us to sin, to doubt, to become lax, and not to persevere or endure. Our surroundings can seem dark, dreary, decaying, and at times hopeless, especially when we may have family that don't take their faith seriously or have abandoned it, or when we see ourselves growing older and we see family and friends and loved ones pass on. All of these things are the results of sin and the, and the assaults and crafts of the devil, which our Lord Jesus has come to undo by his atoning, his forgiving of sins, and granting of life and salvation. So in this time, as we prepare for the Feast of the Nativity, we are reminded that Christ is here, in the midst of us. He is come. He was born of the Blessed Virgin for you. He died for your sins. He rose from the dead for your justification. He ascended to the Father for you and pleads for you at his right hand. He now remains with you, and he is coming back to save you. So let us always cling to him by faith, whom now we only know by faith. But soon, when he appears, we will know by sight and in truth, in the life everlasting and salvation he comes to give to those who believe. May God grant this unto us all. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.